Amen. Another song we sang at camp, there was a line that said, uh, where songs of praise shake prison walls. I think that's what just happened back there. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, yeah, like Melanie said, my name is Matt. I uh, have the privilege of serving as the uh, discipleship pastor here at Grace Life. So if this is your first Sunday, I'm not the regular preaching guy up here. So don't let a subpar sermon keep you from coming back next week. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm really excited for this passage of scripture this morning. Uh, it's, in my opinion, maybe one of the greatest stories in the Old Testament. Um, so I'm going to pray again um, before we dive in. We're going to be talking about Elijah, the prophet, and the prophets of Baal. And it's, it's going to be awesome. So I'm going to pray again for the Lord's help. Uh, that his word would go forth. Um, let's pray together. Father, you are here this morning with us. So please just wake us up to your presence. Open our hearts to your word. I pray that you would grow us, transform us. Um, just help us experience your grace again and again and again. Um, that we would be ever grateful for who you are and what you've done for us, Father. So, Lord, bless me. I pray that I would do well in uh, decreasing so that you may increase, Father. Lord, show us who you are through this story, and may we enjoy fellowship with you and with one another. Amen. All right, so before we dive into uh, the actual passage, I want to bring you back to August, not August, June 6, 2001. All right, June 6, 2001 is one of the most iconic moments in sports history, whether you realize it or not. All right, we're talking about the NBA. Any basketball fans here? A little bit? All right. Kyla. All right. 2001, we have the Los Angeles Lakers, okay? We have Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant. One of the greatest teams ever assembled. And then we have the Philadelphia 76ers, okay? So in the playoffs, the summertime's the playoffs. The Lakers, they are a perfect 12-0. They have not lost in the playoffs, and they reach the NBA Finals. The 76ers are not 12-0. Allen Iverson, AI, the man himself, drags his team, the 76ers, into the Finals. They barely make it out of each round. They go seven games multiple times. AI drags them there. So we have Lakers, Kobe, and Shaquille. The Sixers, AI, all right? The Lakers have not lost yet. The 76ers are here. They're, they're battered. They're beaten. But game one, June 6, 2001, Allen Iverson drops 48 points. That's a lot of points. If you don't know basketball, 48 is a lot, Okay. This game goes into overtime. It's neck and neck, going back and forth. It's less than a minute in overtime. Now, Allen Iverson, does anybody know his nickname? The Answer. Thank you, whoever that was. The Answer. So anytime the Sixers needed a bucket, anytime they needed some points, anytime the game was on the line, who was the answer? Allen Iverson. So there's less than a minute left. They pass him the ball. He's in the corner. You know this play, Kyla. He starts driving baseline, right? Oh, psych. Pull back. Jump shot. Nails it. 
game. Ice is the game. Game over. He wins the game. Hands the, the Lakers their only loss in the playoffs. But, check this out. It gets even better. This is the iconic moment. After, the, after AI steps back, the defender trips over his feet. He makes the shot, looks down, and just steps right over him. I mean, the disrespect. Just adding insult to injury, man. He iced the game, looks down, steps over him. That dude, his name's Tyron Liu on the ground. Like, he's a coach today. He's a really good coach. He has never been able to, like, live this down. He's still known as the guy who got stepped over. I know. But Allen Iverson is the answer. Okay, this morning, we're not talking about Allen Iverson, although I could. I could talk basketball all day. But that's not why we're here. We're talking about God's answer, all right? And it, he's, it's actually better than Allen Iverson, believe it or not. God's answer. All right, so this story, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles, turn on your device. It's 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. We're going to work our way through this story. It's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of verses. It's a long story, but it's an incredible story. So we're going to read it one chunk at a time, 1 Kings 18, and we'll start in verse 17, and we're going to see God's answer. Uh, but as you're turning there, I want to set the stage a little bit, because we're just kind of parachuting in here. Um, so the Old Testament is incredible. There's just so many amazing stories, and the main thing we're doing this morning, like the main nugget I want you to leave with is this story. God's answer, it points us forward to his ultimate answer, and that's, that's Jesus Christ. That's what we're after this morning. We're going to see how this story in 1 Kings about Elijah points us forward to God's ultimate answer. So in this story, 1 Kings 18, we have the nation of Israel, right? So if, if we're going all the way back, we have, we have creation. God makes Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve sin, and they fall. Then we have Noah and the flood. You know that story. Then after that, God calls Abraham. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that family creates the nation of Israel. Following? Tracking so far? Israel becomes uh, its own nation. They're in Egypt, but then God rescues them out. They get to the promised land, and there's a kingdom. The kingdom with, you know, King David, Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom splits, and that's where we are in the story. So Elijah... He's in, he's in a rough spot. In this story, the king's name is Ahab in the nation of Israel. He's a terrible king, and there's a terrible famine. So they're short on water, they're short on food. There's a famine in the land, and this terrible king. So Ahab does not just worship Yahweh, who is the God of the Bible. He also worships a, a god named Baal and a, god, a goddess named Asherah. So he is unfaithful to Yahweh, he's worshiping other gods, and he's trying to get the nation of Israel to follow suit, to betray their, their one and only God and start worshiping other gods. So let's pick up in verse 17. First Kings 18, we'll read 17 through 19. So when Ahab, the, the evil king, when he saw Elijah, the prophet, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have. 
in your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and you followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah to eat at Jezebel's table. So Elijah calls out the king, right? He, he calls him out, and by the way, you don't talk to kings like that, right? Like, that's a dangerous thing uh, to do. And actually, the next story after the one we're going to be talking about today, he runs for his life because of, you know, how he talked to the king and the queen. But he is more concerned about being faithful to Yahweh, the God of Israel, than he is about making the king happy. And he sets up this massive showdown. Elijah says, all right, Ahab, you want the nation of Israel to follow these other gods? How about you gather everybody together, get the prophets of those false gods, bring them in here too, and we're going to have a massive showdown. So total for these false gods, there's 850 prophets. It's like the Los Angeles Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. And then we have Elijah by himself, dragging in the 76ers, the massive showdown. So we're going to work through our, this story today, and we just have three simple phases of the story, all right? We're going to see the challenge, we're going to see the failure, and then we'll see the answer. That simple, the challenge, the failure, and then the answer. Y'all ready to dive in? Let's do this. First, the challenge. All right, we'll read, jump back in, 1 Kings 18. We'll read verses 20 through 24. So Ahab, the king, sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people, and he said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left as a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it up in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And then I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and I'll put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it's well spoken. So here's the challenge. There's actually two challenges here that we see. The first challenge is given to the people. Elijah, he just starts out, he calls them out. I mean, he's not, he's not beating around the bush here. He just starts out and says, how long are you going to go limping between two different opinions? You're trying to serve Yahweh. You're trying to serve Baal. Stop limping. Just choose. This is the challenge. Just choose. You can't serve both. Because the people, they were trying to make everybody happy, right? They were trying to keep a foot in each camp. Like, I need to follow Yahweh because he's our God, but I also don't want to upset the king, so I have to follow Baal as well. It's like they thought they could serve God on, on Sunday mornings and community group nights and then serve Baal the rest of the week. You know what I'm saying? Sound familiar maybe? But for being honest, maybe we find ourselves in a similar mindset sometimes. 
But Elijah doesn't just call out Israel. He's, he's calling us out too. And I'm not, like, this is not me trying to, like, body slam you with the Bible and just make you feel terrible. This, I just have to ask us the question because Elijah asked the question. So if Elijah was here at Grace Life 2022, I think he might ask something like this. Are you going to follow God or are you going to follow the world? Are you going to follow God or follow your job? Are you going to follow God or, or your political party? Are you going to follow God or money, God or your family? The list could go on and on. And these things aren't necessarily bad. See, I think the enemy has gotten more subtle with his attacks. Today, we, I don't think many of us are in danger of worshiping Baal. I mean, maybe you are. I don't know. But I don't think that's really the danger. I think the enemy has, has gotten more subtle with his attacks. He uses really good things to try and get in the way of the best thing. Because those other things, job, your job, money, politics, whatever it is, they're not bad, but they're not worth following with all of your life and all of your commitment. So here's another way to say it. A question to ask ourselves. What are you all in on? What are you all in on? Are you all in on God? Or do you find yourself limping back and forth between opinions? Don't misunderstand me. Like, being all in with God, I'm not telling you, like, you have to be perfect. That's not what being all in means. I think being all in with God is it's just putting your belief and your trust in him. Like you are leaning all your weight on him. It's, it's believing his promises. It's, it's almost like I asked Alexa what, I was like, what do you think it means to be all in with God? And she said, it's, it's almost like you have blinders on to where you are so focused on the Lord that like, yeah, you're aware of things going on around you, but they're, they just pale in, in, in significance compared to the Lord because you're just all in on him. Or, or put it this way, let's say your life is all your, your, all your commitments, your, your job, your hobbies, everything you like, let's say it's a solar system, right? And you got planets floating around. Like what is, what is your sun? What is the one thing that, that everything else revolves around? Is, is, your, is, is God himself there in the middle? Or is your relationship with Jesus like Pluto? And it's not even a planet anymore somehow. Like, I still can't believe we just let that happen. Like, I don't know. Anyways, are you just, do you just squeeze in God in the nooks and crannies of your life? Or is he the center of gravity that everything rotates around? And this is actually the first way we see Jesus in this story. So like I said at the beginning, this story will point us forward to Jesus over and over again. Because when Jesus comes, he gives a similar challenge just like Elijah does. He says some tough things. In Matthew 12, he says, whoever is not with me is against me. In Luke 9, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's all in. I mean, that's, taking up your cross means death. <laughs> that's you dying to yourself every day. He wants us to be all in. In another verse, he says, unless you hate your mother and brother and sister and family, you are not worthy to follow me. 
Like he, he's not messing around. He gives us this challenge. And so a, a question, another question to ask ourselves, what is keeping me from being all in with God? What gets in the way? What is keeping me from being all in with God? So that's the first challenge. How long? Stop limping between opinions. The second challenge is not necessarily to the people, it's to the prophets or really to the gods. So Elijah sets up the whole scenario. He says, all right, we're going to build two altars, which are just like these monuments where you put a sacrifice on top. So we'll build these altars, then we'll each get a bull. We'll put the bull on top, but we're not going to light it on fire. We're going to see which god can send fire to accept the sacrifice. All right? This is actually really interesting because the god Baal was believed to control the lightning and fire. And especially during a famine, it should be pretty easy for him to just like send a little bolt of lightning and it's so dry it could like spark a fire. And then Elijah also lets them choose the first bull. He lets them go first. He's like giving them all the the favor in this contest, right? He's like, you go first. I'm choosing the supposed strength of your God. So go for it. Let's see what happens. And, And whichever God answers by fire, he's the real God. All right, so that's the challenge. We have our, we have our uh, altar set up. We got the bulls on. Let's see what happens. And that brings us to the failure. This is obviously not the failure of Elijah. It's uh, somebody else's failure. So let's pick back up. First Kings 18. We'll go, we'll start in verse 25. So then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and then call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But listen to this. If you underline your Bibles, underline this. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And so they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud, for he's a god. Either he's musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps, I mean, dude, he's trash-talking these people. It's amazing. Where am I? Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom, with swords and lances, until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But check this out. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. These prophets of Baal, at the beginning of the story, they're not limping between two opinions. Like, they're all in. They're all in on Baal. They're his prophets. They worship him. They do all the rituals. They, they are all in. And they want to convince the nation of Israel to be all in as well. So they yell and they dance and they even cut themselves for, like, hours, like, all day, trying to get Baal to answer them. What's the result? No voice. Nobody answers. 
that was at noon, at lunchtime. Then, this is so cool. The Bible is amazing, guys. The author intentionally and through the Holy Spirit uses the same word. So at the beginning, the, the people of Israel are limping between two opinions. The prophets are not limping. They're all in with Baal. But then it says, let's see, what verse is this? It says they start limping around the altar that they had made. I think this is intentional to show us that if you're all in on the wrong thing or if you're limping between two opinions, the result is the same. Like it's, it's not going to get you the answer you're looking for. So whether you're all in on the wrong thing or limping between opinions, you end up in the same spot. And then, as we saw, Elijah starts trash-talking the prophets of Baal. It's like, if he's AI, he does the step over before he even made the shot. Like, he's that confident. He just starts calling them out. He's like, maybe your God's in the outhouse, or he's taking a nap or something. Like, come on, get it together. And believe it or not, this is actually another way that this story points forward to Jesus. You know, Jesus is a little bit of a trash talker. Did you know that? Amen. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2 says that after Jesus died and rose from the grave, he put to open shame the, the spiritual rulers and authorities of this world. Like, he, he just puts them to open shame. He's, he, he does a little bit of trash talking because the victory was won. Like, he won the victory, and he says, what else you got? I took your worst, and I beat you with it. What else you got? So, after Elijah trash talks a little bit, the prophets, they start trying even harder. They cry out. They dance. They rave until the nighttime. They cut themselves. I mean, they are dedicated. Like, they are willing to hurt themselves to try to get this God to answer but the result, again, no voice, no answer, no one paid attention. So that shows us this. Choosing to follow anything other than God will leave you with no answer. I can promise you that. Eventually, you will be left with no answer. If you are following something other than Yahweh, you will be left with no answer. And the things of this world... They promise all kinds of answers, don't they? All kinds of answers. Money, success, power, fun, pleasure, friends. If only I can get this promotion. I'm going to be all in at work until I get this promotion. Then we'll be set. Or if we just save really hard and we get our dream home, then we'll be, we'll be happy. Or if we just get our kids into their dream college and we're all in making sure they're in all the right extracurricular activities that look good on college applications. We'll be all in, and then once they're in, we'll be happy. Or, man, if we just get, I'm going to step on some toes here. Man, if we just get Trump back in office, man, everything will be great. I mean, is that going to help? Is that going to answer the, the problems in your marriage? I mean, is that, even more importantly, is that going to really help your relationship with God? And it's not wrong to care about those things. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I hope we are involved 
in politics, at our jobs, in our families. Don't get me wrong, but if we are, if we are putting those things as our son and our relationship with God is revolving around that, you'll be left with no answer. So here's, here's the plea. Don't waste your life being all in on the wrong thing. Don't waste your life being all in on the wrong thing. Don't waste your life limping between opinions. This, this result where the, the prophets are, they're embarrassed, they are tired, they're limping around the altar, that result is what God wants to save us from. Like He doesn't want us to end up there. He, he does not want to leave us hurting. He, he gives us an invitation to be all in on him. So they're left crying out for an answer, limping around. They're left covered in their own blood. Let me tell you, God wants to cover you in somebody else's blood. We'll get to that later. So don't waste your life being all in on the wrong thing. Following anything other than God will leave you with no answer. So let's check out the answer. Let's finish out this story. This is incredible. Incredible. All right, we'll pick back up in verse 30. So the prophets of Baal, they failed, they're embarrassed, they're tired. Then Elijah said to all the people, he says, come near to me. All the people came near. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. So with these stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar as great as would contain two sayas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. By the way, water at this time, this is a famine. I mean, it's like more valuable than toilet paper at the beginning of COVID. Like, like this, was, this was costly for them to do this, okay? And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Check this out. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Boom. Are you kidding me? Sorry, let's keep going. And when all the people saw it, this is their response. They fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. 
unbelievable. So Elijah prays. He says, answer me, O Lord, answer me. And boy, did God answer. He took the sacrifice. He also took the wood the sacrifice was on. He also took the stones that the wood was on and the water and the dust that was around it. I mean, obviously, a miracle. This pillar of fire just comes down, takes it all. There's your answer. And I I just love the response of the people. This is the only proper response when God answers is the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And this shows that God has a voice, God pays attention, and God has an answer. So when the fire comes down, God is doing two things. He's he's showing in this incredibly powerful, visible way that he exists, and he's also accepting the sacrifice that Elijah put up there. Where else in the Bible does God display his existence that strongly and accept a sacrifice that thoroughly? And the answer is the cross. At the cross, God displays both the reality of his existence and he accepts the sacrifice of Jesus himself. You see, in a lot of ways, Elijah points to Jesus in this story, but the one thing Elijah doesn't do that Jesus does, if Jesus was in the story, he would have climbed up on that altar before the fire came down. The cross of Jesus is God's ultimate answer. So you might be here this morning and have a lot of questions for God. Some of you are probably here and you're not sure if you believe in him at all and if he even exists or if he did exist, uh, does he even care about me and my problems? Some of you know like you're messed up and you have sin and you, you need help, you need an answer, but you're not sure God could ever provide an answer. Some of you are here and you believe and you follow him and you still got some questions. You wonder, like, God, I believe you, I know you're real, but why are you so quiet sometimes? Like, in the busyness of my everyday life, where do you go? Why can't I hear your voice? Why, why do you feel so far away? Where do you go? Is God even here at all? And I'm telling you, God has already given us the answer to those questions. So how can we know God exists? The cross. How can we know God is good? The cross. How can we know that God is love? The cross. How can we know God has a voice? Oh, we can do better than that. How can we know God pays attention? How can we know that God cares? Let's keep going. Where do we look to for our salvation? How can God turn our hearts back? Where do we look to when we feel discouraged? Oh, let's pick it up. Let's, 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 we got a couple more. Let's go, let's go. Where do we look when we feel alone? Where do we look to when we feel the weight of our sin? What is the only hope for this world? Last one. Let's make it a good one. What is God's answer? Whatever question you got, the cross is the answer. If you're battling pride, the cross shows you that Our sin was so bad, Jesus himself had to die 
if you're battling just having nowhere to put your identity, you're feeling like you deserve love from no one, you just, you, you are stuck in the pit, the muck and the mire, the cross shows you you are so loved by God that he died for you, and now you're adopted as his child, wherever you're at on the spectrum, whatever you need from the Lord, the cross is the answer. The cross even teaches us to ask the right questions, too. But you cannot talk about the cross without talking about the resurrection, because Jesus didn't stay dead, did he? The cross was the strongest display of God's love and redemptive plan, and the resurrection was his strongest display of approval and victory. So the, we talked about at the beginning, what, what are you all in on? The cross invites us and even demands us to be all in. And you might think, why do I need to be all in for God? Like, why do I owe that to him? Why, like, why should I be all in? You can be all in with God. This, is, this might sound crazy to you, but you can be all in with God because God is all in on you. Like, I don't care who you are, what you came in here with, I don't care what your reputation is, what crazy, terrible thoughts have gone through your head, what you've done, what you look like, what you smell like, I don't care. Like, God is all in on you. That's what the cross shows us. He's not all in on you to make you the center of the universe. He's not all in on you to follow you. He's all in on you to turn your heart back. He's all in on you to save you and rescue you and to love you. Because he died for you. God is all in on you. It sounds too good to be true, but here are just a couple verses. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Romans 5, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, in verse 10 it says, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. He reconciled us to himself. So we don't have to look for proof of God in his existence like Elijah did. We don't have to set up some test because we already have the answer. It's at the cross. If you read in the gospel accounts, when Jesus died, I mean, it was a scene. Like the, the, the world went dark for hours during the day. There were earthquakes. There were, I mean, dead people came back to life. It was, it was insane. And so Jesus, he dies. He, he yields his spirit on the cross. And there was somebody there watching the whole thing happen. He actually helped the whole thing happen. He was a Roman centurion. He sees this reality of God's existence happening. He sees God accepting the sacrifice. And what's his response? He says, truly this was a son of God. It's the same response that the Israelites had. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That's the only appropriate response when God answers. 
So anytime we need an answer from God, I don't care if it's an encouragement, a rebuke, a comfort, a motivation, whatever, we can look to the cross because that well will never run dry. We can drink from it every single day. And it's the answer the world cannot provide for us. So being all in with God is looking outside of ourselves. It's looking to the Lord, to Jesus for our hope, our life, our salvation. It's coming to the end of ourselves, dying to ourselves, and following him. And this passage ends with a warning. Don't end up like the prophets of Baal. They were all in on the wrong thing, and they're actually slaughtered in the story. It's not a pretty ending, which is why the plea is, please don't waste your life being all in on the wrong thing. God is all in on you right now, offering himself right now. So don't, don't run out of time. Just, we can respond right now. Don't miss it. So my prayer is that when we look to the sacrifice of Christ and the display of his love for us, that our hearts will be turned back like Elijah prayed and that we will respond with the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So just a last story to close us out. On June 6th, 2001, the Sixers beat the Los Angeles Lakers. They found their answer in AI. Exactly six years later, on June 6th, 2007, there was this middle school boy who found God's answer. He realized he was a broken, sinful kid for the first time, and it, it wrecked him. No matter how good or, or well-behaved he looked on the outside, he knew he, he finally realized he, he didn't have it all together, and he was heartbroken. He thought he was making God happy by going to church and being a good kid, but finally he got exposed. He knew he couldn't measure up to God's standard on his own, so he lost all hope in himself. But then God answered. God turned the light on. And he reached down and he turned this kid's heart back. God didn't send down a pillar of fire, but he reminded the young boy of Jesus. That's the answer. The kid didn't have to find an answer inside himself. The answer was that Jesus paid it all for him. And that's the good news. That's what the church stuff had been about all along that this kid grew up in. So he repented and he put his faith in Jesus and even though he was a terribly shy and quiet kid, he grew up to be a pastor, preaching in front of people, and he's right here in front of you right now. That kid was me. <laughs> yeah. So my prayer is that every single one of us would have an experience like that, to find God's answer in Jesus, because he's all in. He's all in on you. He's not limping back and forth on you. He doesn't look at you and say, I don't know about that one. He's all in. He loves you. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Let's pray. Father, you are God and you are good. We do not deserve for you to be all in on us, but it's out of your love and out of your grace and kindness that you offer yourself. 
So I pray whether we have been a Christian for 50 years or we have no idea, we've never heard of you until today, I don't, no matter who we are, I pray we would look to you for our answer, for our encouragement, for our identity, for our salvation, Lord. Turn our hearts back. Lord, I pray we would respond in love and obedience and gratitude. You are God. You are God. Amen. So each week we have um, a song of reflection. Um, so Kyle's going to lead us. This is just a time for us to worship, to respond to what we've heard, to look to God for an answer. We're going to have a couple of, uh, of our prayer team in the back. Bill and Christy Roth are back there. If you need prayer for anything, or if you say, okay, God offers the answer, what does it look like for me to be all in? Please go talk to them. They would love to help you. Talk to anybody wearing a name tag. Talk to me. We would love to connect with you. So let's worship and reflect together. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark. But I am not forsaken But by my side The Savior, He will stay I labor on In weakness and rejoicing For in my need His power is displayed To this I hold my shepherd will defend me through the deepest valley he will lead oh the night has been won and i shall overcome yet not i but through christ in me No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, 
My sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing. I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in me. With every breath, I long to follow Jesus. For he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me. Until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, and all the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, and all the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Are you glad you came to Grace Life today? Amen. My name is Tommy. I'm one of the pastors here. I have the privilege of serving the people of Grace Life. And uh, as we close out every service together, uh, we have a few things we'd like to take care of, have a few announcements, and then we'll do our charge together. Um, Here's the first announcement. This is a really special time for Grace Life. As you know, the summer's closing out. School started back. Uh, everyone's getting back into the groove, getting back into the rhythm. And so what that means for Grace Life is that we are relaunching our community groups. Community groups are small groups. Well, they're not really too small. Some of them are actually big. We have six this year. That's the most we've ever had. I'm really excited and thankful to see how God has answered so many prayers. So many of you have offered your homes. So many leaders have stepped up and said, we want to host. We want to lead. So we have six different community groups that are available, and they meet all over Central Florida, really. Six different homes, six different living rooms, people from Grace Life and people that regularly attend and some guests come and they meet and they do life together. They serve one another. They pray together. They talk about the sermon. They do outreach. They do fellowship. Um, So that's happening. Here's an interesting way to think about it. My mom sent me this book. I don't know if you guys have ever heard heard of the Blue Zones. There's like six Blue Zones, I believe, in the world. And that is where people live the healthiest lives. They live 
to be a really, really, really old age. They call them, they call them uh, and I always get this wrong, I want to call them centaurs. That's like half horse, half human, right? Or a centurion, that's what Matt was talking about earlier. It's, it's centenarians. It's when you live to be at least 100 years old. And so scientists and experts and curious people have gone and traveled to these six zones uh, in the world to see what is it about these places that makes these people live so long? Did they find the fountain of youth? What is it? And so my mom sent me this cookbook, and I've been reading it, and the guy said I would go there, and I would sit on a stool for hours in the kitchen of these uh, centenarian homes, and he talks about what he noticed. Now, of course, it's, it's their diet primarily is what he attributes it to. But what he says is really interesting. He says these people don't do anything alone. They don't do anything alone. He said, in fact, these are villages. They, they, they started out as isolated villages, and the roads weren't even made for cars. They were made for people to walk together. He said, these people eat. They eat really healthy food. A lot of them are vegetarians. He said, but it's not really what they eat. It's how they eat. They eat together. Everything they do is together. They work together. They live together. Sometimes up to four generations live together under the same roof. He said, they show gratitude before meals. It's really interesting. And I thought, you know, this is, this is uh, kind of like what the Bible tells us to do, but, but Christ is at the center of it all. So that's what we do. If you want to find a blue zone near you, Here's, here's what you can do. You can go to our website, www.gracelifeflorida.com. You can go to the top. There's a top tab up there, uh, and it says grow. We, we have three rhythms, gather, grow, and go. And so under grow, there will be D group. You can select a D group. It's a really small group, gender-based, men or women, to get together, confess sin, fight sin together. And then there's community group, and you can click on that. And you can pick whichever one you want to go to, and it sends a notification to the leader, and they'll get back with you, give them a few days. So community groups launch next week after the Labor Day holiday. That's our rhythm. That's when we hit it. So we're actually doing training today. If you're a community group facilitator or a facility uh, community group host, you stay after. Lunch is on the way. We're going to do some short training. You guys pray for us so we'll all be ready to receive you into our homes and uh, just build healthy healthy uh, Christ-like relationships. That's what discipleship is. So that's the first announcement. And by the way, uh, let me mention this, since we have our prayer group back there, you, you can still, when we dismiss in a few minutes, if you still need prayer, by all means, go to the back, grab one of those members of the prayer team, or if that's not your jam, you're, you're just so intimidated by that, again, our website, you can go to the very top, and there's a tab up there, and it says, I need prayer. Click on that. Even if you're a member, click on that. Send your prayer request. There's a team of prayer warriors in this church and they pray for you they're not going to send if it's a private request you can make that known they're not going to send out an email or anything we want to pray for you god has called us to pray for one another so that's that announcement what else we got guys a few more speaking of prayer we have a uh, a rhythm here when there's a fifth wednesday in the month we put our community groups on hold and we meet together as a, a corporate body to pray and so next Wednesday is a fifth Wednesday. It's August the 31st. And so we're going to gather together. Uh, and I called Pastor Darren at Emmanuel Christ Presbyterian in Deland. He was kind enough to offer up their building again since it's in the middle of the week. So that was where our grow class was that Matt led for eight weeks in the summer. We're going to meet there again next Wednesday. Uh, does that say 630? Thank you. 630 to 8 p.m. Some of you like to fast all day and then we break fast after that meeting well, we're not going to have food there but you can still fast if you want to we don't really talk about that we don't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing but some people have been fasting we've been praying for god to give us a building 
for God to give us gospel conversations and for him to raise up the next generation and help us invest in them with leaders. So our next corporate prayer gathering is next Wednesday. I really do hope you make it a point to be at this. It's such a powerful time together, really powerful time together. Uh, And if you need the address on that, it's on the website. It's just right down Orange Camp Road. You can't miss it right before you get to uh, 1792 on the left. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month, which means we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to hear somebody's testimony they're going to share. But it also means that we bring supplies on that day to help DHS students that meet on this campus throughout the week that are in transition or having a hard time. Um, so you can, you can bring your items for that. If you need to know what they are, grab one of the leaders or check on the website. It's, uh, it's, it's basically hygiene products. So whatever it would be for hygiene, toothpaste, uh, anything like that to help these students out. You can bring that next week. That's the way that we uh, seek to serve our city and serve the school. Any more slides for announcements? Baby bottles, yes, praise God. You know, we partner with the Pregnancy Crisis Center here in Central Florida. I think it's just called the Central Florida Pregnancy Center. And every Father's Day, no, every mother, Mother's Day comes first, right? Yeah. Every Mother's Day, we hand out baby bottles, and we ask people, fill these up with loose change, spare change, and we expect maybe a few hundred dollars from the congregation, quarters, nickels, dimes. You know how much money was raised connected to this church to help, uh, to help girls that get pregnant and want to know what their options are in this training center, pregnancy centers there, raised over $2,200 to help. Praise God. That's the Lord. And th- thank you for giving toward that. And you can continue to do that. I, th- I think uh, Joan Drake, she's the liaison. She helps us stay connected to that center. She's our go-between. And she did a lot of the work that's involved in that, taking the money, collecting the money, make sure it went to the right place. So thank you for for your sacrifice. I think that may be all the announcements we have for today. So if you want to stand to your feet, we do this every week. This is Grace Life Church way of reminding ourselves um, why we come here. Why do we gather on Sunday morning to get filled back up, right? Preaching equips the saints for the work of the ministry. So the real job now lies outside those doors where God has called us to live on mission for him. There's people that need to hear the good news that you just heard today. And we need to help them make sure they hear that. So this is our charge. This is our reminder. And before we do it, just want to let you know, we don't pass an offering plate here. We have a donation and tithe box in the back, or you can go online if you want to give. But back there, you'll also find these cards where you can fill these out. If you are a first-time, second-time guest, regular attender, member, whoever you are, you can fill this out and give us feedback. If you're interested in following Jesus, something Matt said in his sermon resonated with you, you want to know more, Fill this card out. Check some of these things. You want to be baptized. You want to join the church. You want to serve. You need counseling. Fill that out. Drop it in there. It goes straight to our leadership, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. So help me say this. I am a witness. I have been called to minister to my neighborhood in both word and deed. God has given me his word to equip me, his spirit to empower me, and his love to motivate me. I pledge my life for the gospel. You have been sent. Thank you. God bless you. And if you're a community group facilitator or host, stick around. We're going to have a meeting right back there behind those curtains in the back.